morning. Scripture reading this morning will be from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Be reading from the New King James Version. Um, if you're using the Pew Bible, that's page 1,400. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, Therefore, the world does not know us, because God, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed that we should be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's from the book of John, chapter 17, and verse 3, in Jesus' prayer in the garden. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What a beautiful day we've been given today at Buford Church of Christ. It's great weather outside. It's, we've had a great period of, of singing and worship. Thank you, Ben, for that great leading. And we've had a great morning here at Buford Church of Christ. And on top of all of that, today is Father's Day. A great day that we honor all of the fathers out there. If you're listening online today, if, if you're here with us this morning, we want to thank you. Fathers, for who you are for your families, the way that you lead your families, the way that you set the tone for your family, the way that you lead your family closer to Christ. And may we always promote, may we always encourage, may we always support godly fathers. Speaking of godly fathers, I'm blessed to have mine with me this morning. Uh, my mother and father came this, this weekend, they spent the weekend with us, and we had a great time, and we tried to go up to the Tallulah Gorge, we were just going to do the first half where you go down and see the waterfall, come back up, we weren't going to do the stairs, I've done the stairs, but it didn't go so well last time, but we were going to go down, look at the waterfall, come back up, and we got turned away, so we drove over there for nothing, went to Jay Moore Farms though, got some peaches, that was great. So we've had a good weekend, we had a good weekend together, and when I think about my father being here on Father's Day, I, it's such an honor to have him with us, and maybe you all feel that way today as you sit next to your father, you youth kids that have to sit by your parents today because of COVID-19, what a blessing, right Betsy? We've been blessed this morning to have Father's Day, and to, to be able to be with one another here at Father's Day, and we want to thank all of you fathers for what you do for your families. You know, Father's Day, to some, could be one of the hardest days of the whole year. You see, because for some on Father's Day, they're reminded of the parent that's no longer with them. So every year on Father's Day, they, they think about how their father's no longer with them and the great pain that comes along with that. Maybe this year is the first year they're experiencing that. For others, Father's Day could be very difficult because it reminds them of how they didn't have a godly father. 
And so Father's Day every year reminds them of, of, of maybe some of the pain and the suffering that they experienced as a child. For others, sometimes Father's Day can remind them about how they're not able to be a father. They're incapable of being a father, and maybe today reminds them of that fact each and every year and the hole that may exist in their life because they aren't able to be a father. Father's Day can be one of the hardest days of the entire year for some people because of all of these pains that are brought up sometimes. But this morning we aren't going to be talking about earthly fathers. This morning we're not going to be talking about all of the, the, the earthly fathers here on earth or how to even be a good earthly father or we're not going to be talking about being a father here on earth. We're going to be talking about the father that we all have in common. We're going to be talking about the Father that no matter what background you have or, or, or where you've come from or what experiences that you've had in your life or what loss that you've experienced in your life, we're not going to be talking about earthly fatherhood. We're going to be talking about the one Father that all of us have in common. The one Father that all of us can claim. The one Father that all of us can relate to and the one Father that all of us have this morning. You know, we're not going to be this morning, we're not going to fall under our usual routine of on Mother's Day, we exalt and we praise and we lift them up and we say they're the greatest thing that's ever been given, mothers, and then on Father's Day, we rain fire and brimstone on the fathers. You ever notice that? I feel like that's been the case my whole life. We just praise all the mothers, and then Father's Day, it's like, well, good grief. I, can, I, bet, I better just give up, you know? We're not going to be doing that today. We're going to be talking about God, our Father. This morning, we're going to be looking at the Father every single one of us have. We all have the same Father, and it is God, the Father. And we're going to be talking about Him this morning. And to start, I have a question. I have a question for all of you listening online and listening here this morning. I have a question to begin our thought. How do you see God? When you think about God, when you think about Him on His throne and, 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 and all of the things that come along with that, how do you view God in your mind? Do you view God as a boss? Where over here, He is a boss. He sets His expectations. He tells me what to do, when to do it, why I should do it, and how to do it. And if I dare get out of line or dare do anything wrong, He is going to strike me down right then and there. He is my boss. Maybe you think of God as, as someone that... Honestly, you really don't care for because all of the time when you think about God, you're just waiting for Him to strike you down. When you think about God, you just know you'll never meet His expectations. You'll never be enough. Do you view God as you would a boss? Is that how you view God this morning? 
Or maybe on this other side, do you view God as someone who is kind of like your friend? Do you view God as someone who is there for you, who listens to you, who cares for you, who supports you, who really doesn't care what you do? They're just your friend. Do you view God as someone who's your friend that, that, that you can talk to and that you can spend time with? I mean, you think of Him and you're like, man, I really enjoy spending time with Him at church. I really enjoy spending time with Him when we were with mutual friends. We have a great time when we're together, but I really don't need Him. I don't need Him to tell me what to do. I don't need Him to give me direction in my life. I like it when He helps me from time to time. But God is my friend. Is that how you view God this morning? Do you view Him as a boss? Or do you view Him only as your friend? This morning, how do you understand our God? What view do you have of Him? Because you know, I think both of these answers have some merit to them. Both of these answers have some validity to them because it is true that God has given us His Word and He has given us His expectations for us to follow. He has given detailed expectations and guidelines for us. In fact, we read all throughout the New Testament about how God is going to be the one that judges us. That God is going to be the one pouring out His wrath on all of those who are not His. So perhaps, maybe there is some validity in thinking of God as a boss. And it is also true that, that God does support us. He does care for us. He does listen to us. He does love spending time with us. He does want us to have a good life. He does want to be a friend to us. And so maybe there is some validity to God being our friend. However, if we only see God as one or the other, I think we are missing the point entirely. We are missing who our God really is. The answer is that God is somewhere in the middle of these two. That God is both in charge of us and judges us and gives us expectations and at the same time God is our friend and loves us and supports us and encourages us and so He is somewhere in the middle. But where is that? What word describes somewhere in the middle? I think a better question for us this morning is, how does God want us to see Him? How does God want us to view Him? Because honestly, that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter what, the way you want to view God or the way I want to view God. The way God wants to be viewed is what matters. The way God wants us to think of Him is what matters. And so therefore, in His Word, He has put across this image for us to take away. But what image is that? What image has God put forth in His Word time and time and time again for us to view Him as? He has put forth in His Word that somewhere in the middle, and the Word 
is a father. God is our father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, Paul would say, I, he's quoting God, I will be a father for you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I will be a father to you. The psalmist would say in Psalm chapter 103 and verse 13, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 9, Do not call anyone on earth your father, for you have one who is your father, he who is in heaven. And lastly, Malachi chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible tells us, Micah says, Have we not all one father? Has not one God created all of us? Have we not one Father? I will be a Father to them. Call no one on earth your Father because you already have a Father. God the Father. And these are just a few of the examples of, of, of God's work where God calls Himself a Father to His followers. There are dozens of more examples that we could look at. But God, all throughout Scripture, is portrayed as a father. All the way back to the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, when He breathed the breath of life into their nostrils, God was portrayed as a father to them. All the way through the patriarchal age with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, God was portrayed as a father to His people all the way to the Mosaic Age with Moses and the kings and the judges, and all the way throughout the Old Testament, God was viewed as a father to them. And on into the Christian age with the church and on to us today, God is a father. God is this somewhere in the middle between a boss and a friend. He is a father. He does both jobs perfectly. And at this very moment, God wants us to see Him as a father. God desires all of us to view Him as our father. Because there's a perfect reason for that. The word father perfectly encapsulates who our God is. The word Father perfectly circumferences who our God is. What His nature is, what His character is, and who He is. A Father. So why is it that so many times we forget that He is our Father? Why is it so many times that we tend to lean one way or the other? We tend to lean on Him as a friend and only as a friend who has no expectations for us, just here to have a good time. And then why is the other side of it that we see Him as a boss, here to rain fire and brimstone down upon us? Not here to love us, doesn't care about us, doesn't support us, doesn't care a thing in the world about us. He just wants us to get the job done. Why do we go to either extreme when we know that God is a Father? Perhaps that's why 
started this lesson off with Jesus' words in John chapter 17. And this is eternal life. That you may know God. That they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What Jesus is trying to say in this, in this verse is that if they will know you, God, He's talking to God, if they will know who you are, that is all that they need for eternal life. Because everything else that follows will come in place. As long as they know who you are, God, everything else is going to fall in place. This is eternal life that they may know you. Do we know our Father? And you know, this isn't just knowing about God. This isn't just being able to, to spit off a bunch of facts about God, maybe from the Gospel Advocate flashcards that were shoved down our throats, right, Mama? This isn't just being able to know about God. This is being able to know God, know our Father and who He is. You know the amazing thing about a relationship between a father and a child? The amazing thing about the relationship between a father and a child this morning is I know that man. I know that man right there. I know what he thinks about certain things. I know what he's going to say sometimes before he even says it. I know what not to say. I say it anyway. I know what he's going to feel about certain situations. I know what his thoughts are before he even says it sometimes. I know what his opinion is going to be. You know what else I know about my father here on earth? I know that I can call him. And that will answer. I know that he's going to be there to help any way he can. I know that He's going to give me the best, absolute best advice He possibly can to make me succeed. He's going to do every single thing that He possibly can so that I can succeed here on this earth. I know my Father here on earth. You see, those things I just listed, they aren't facts. Those are, are fundamental truths of who my Father is. It's not just that his eyes are blue or that he was born in October or that he lives in Alabama. Those are facts. Do we know facts about God or do we know our God this morning? Because if we know our God, we know that he is our Father. This morning, I want to leave this building not only knowing my earthly Father, but leave this building knowing my heavenly Father. Father. I don't want to just know about Him. I want to know Him. And there is no greater way of learning about who God the Father is than looking at the relationship that He had with God the Son. The relationship between God the Father and Jesus Christ is the most perfect union of all time. 
There is no greater union, there is no greater relationship than the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And so I would love for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17. You know, time and time again through Scripture, Jesus, especially all throughout the Gospels, He is saying all throughout the Gospels, it's not my time. It's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. my, My time has not come. He says this over and over to His apostles, to His followers, to His disciples. But here in John 17, it is. It's time. It's time. He knows that the very next day that He is going to be crucified for all the sins of mankind. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they do a good job of, of recording this prayer in the garden. But John does a little bit different. He doesn't talk about, about Jesus saying, let this cup pass from me. He doesn't talk about all the things that other Gospels talk about. He talks about the most intimate conversation you've ever read. He shows us the most intimate conversation in all of Scripture is John chapter 17. Because at the beginning, Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. He's saying, it's time. The hour for the reason I came here in the first place, it's time. And so for the first few verses, he's praying for himself. God, I pray that you will glorify me. That you will give me the image that I once had when I was with you. And then he starts praying about all of his disciples, all of his followers that he had, 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 had risen to be who they were throughout the Gospels, throughout his ministry, throughout the three years he was with them. He prays for them. He prays that they will be united, that they will not forget the things that they have learned. And you can read it. It's just the most beautiful chapter of all the Bible, in my opinion. But I want to focus in on the last six verses of John chapter 17 and what he prays for. Jesus says, I do not pray for these alone. He's talking about his disciples, his apostles. He says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you have sent me, and I have declared it to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with them with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. What a beautiful prayer. What beautiful last words before Christ goes on to the cross the very next morning. One of the last thoughts that went through His mind before He was 
bonded and put in chains and, and, and led all the way through the streets, one of the last thoughts he had was about those who would believe in him one day. And you know what he says? He says, the world has not known you, but I have known you. This morning, I want to know God, my Father, the way Jesus knew Him. The way Jesus knew Him. And maybe because of the way He knew Him, if the world would know Him the way Jesus knew Him, the world would follow Him. The world would submit to Him because they understand that He is a righteous Father. That's what Jesus is saying. And He says, listen, I've declared it to them that they may know Your name. Do we know our Father's name? The world doesn't know who our Father is. The world doesn't know who our Father is. And therefore, they don't know eternal life. Go back to verse 3. And this is eternal life that they may know You. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom You have sent. This is Jesus' final plea. One of the last things He said was for us to know Him. So today we're going to be knowing God for who He truly is. Our Father. The first thing we need to know about our Father is that our Father cares. Our Father cares. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about everything that we go through, everything that we experience. God, our Father, cares. You know, any good father has a certain list of attributes. I could say this about my father. You hopefully could say this about your father. Any good father has a list of attributes about them. Any good father cares for their children. Any good father is willing to put their children's needs above their own. Any good father is willing to provide for their children. Any good father is, is able to protect their children. Any good father loves their child. And any good father is willing to take their child back when they've strayed. God, our Father, cares. How do we know that He cares? He cares simply in the fact that He created us. God our Father created every single one of us. Paul would say in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, in Him, in Him we live and move and have our being. Psalm chapter 139 and verse 13, the psalmist says, You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. God our Father cares about us because He created us. 
But Ben, why would God create us? Why would God care about us if He puts us in this world with all of the problems, all of the sins, all of the issues that we have in this world with prejudices and racism and all of the things that go on? Why would God put us in a situation where we'd have to live through that? If God loved us, if God cared about us, why would He put us through that? You know, I think the person who asked that question doesn't understand what God's original intention was for our life. You know what God's original intention was? His original intention was for us to live in paradise. In the Garden of Eden where there was no pain, there was no sickness, there was no death. There was only a relationship with Him as God the Father walking with, with Him through the entire garden walking with Him Side by side. That was God's original intent. But we were the ones that said, no, that's not enough. That's not enough. We need something else. We need more. We, we, we need more than perfection. And we were the ones who brought the sin into the world. We were the ones who brought the temptation into the world. We were the ones who brought the hatred into the world and the sickness and the death and the illnesses and the pain. We did that. God cares even though we did that. Because the very moment that we did that, our Father had a plan. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God already had a plan. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the devil. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall, bru shall bruise his heel. God cares because the moment that we left him, he already had a plan. In, in, that, in that way, God is a father to us because He puts our needs above His own. God is a father to us because He puts our needs before His own. The very moment that we were without hope, that we were lost, that we were condemned out of the garden, God had a plan to redeem us. And because of this plan, because of, of, of our leaving Him, because of us leaving Him, in Genesis 3.15, He sets that plan in motion. And for the next few thousand years, He providentially maintains the bloodline through Adam, through Abraham, through Judah, through David, all the way through the Old Testament, so that Christ could come. You see, the entire Old Testament isn't just a bunch of shenanigans. The entire Old Testament is bringing us to Christ so that Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 could be fulfilled. God cares. Our Father cares because He puts our needs above His own. You see, this, this time that Jesus came, it was protected by God. 
Paul would say in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, but when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. When the fullness of the times had come, God sent forth His Son, and therefore He cares for us because He puts our needs above His own. The one specific purpose of Christ's coming is to fulfill our needs. God knew that we needed the perfect sacrifice and so He gave it to us because He's our Father. You know, God knew in Genesis chapter 3 that He would have to give up His Son. He knew all the way back then that, that, that He would have to give His own Son for us. But he did it anyway. Because that's what a father does for his children. Not only does he care about us because he created us, not only does he care about us because he puts our needs above his own, God cares about us because he hurts when we hurt. God hurts when we hurt. Have you ever thought about that? The fact that God, when we hurt, God hurts with us. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6-7, through 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. God understands that we're going to have anxieties, that we're going to have problems, and so He says, pray to Me. Be anxious for nothing, and I will give you the peace that surpasses understanding. That peace only comes from Him. It doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from each other. It comes from God and God alone. God cares about us because He hurts when we hurt. Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 9, Isaiah says, In all their affliction, he's talking about Israel, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them and carried them all the days of old. God cared because He hurt when they hurt. He says, Isaiah says that their affliction was His affliction. And that He carried them all throughout the days of old. God does that same with us. God is afflicted when we are afflicted. Because of what? Because He is our Father. And any good father hurts when their child hurts. You know, I guess that's why Dad always said, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Yeah, right. Look at him. Any good father hurts when their child hurts. You know what else we need to know about our father today? Yes, our Father is, is one who cares. Yes, our Father is one who creates. Yes, our Father is one who hurts when we hurt. Yes, our Father is all those things. But God, our Father, is also one who protects. 
God our Father is one who protects. And any father, any good father worth his salt protects his child. He gave us the Bible. God the Father gave us the Bible to protect us. He says, listen child, if you will obey the things that I have written in this book, you'll be protected. You won't have to deal with all of the sin, all of the pain, all of the anguish, all of the hatred, all of the different things that the world has to deal with because you follow this book. He protects us. He cares about us. He tries to warn us against all of the things that we will get entrapped in if we don't follow this book. Our Father is the one who protects even when we might not want Him to. Even when we might not understand. Our Father wanted us to know about our enemy. He wanted us to know about our adversary. He wanted us to know about who was out to get us and how He was going to get us. So He gave us this to protect us. He gave us this to read, and to follow. But more than that, He gives us a shield of faith. He gives us a breastplate of righteousness. He gives us a sword of the Spirit. He gives us the helmet of salvation so that we can be protected. Our Father is someone who protects you know, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's our Father. Someone who upholds us with His righteous right hand. Someone who guards us and protects us and does everything He can to keep us from the evil one. Jesus said, in John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of My hand, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Jesus says, when you are in the palm of the Father's hand, no one can snatch you out of it. That is no one but yourself. When you are in the palm of the Father's hand, you need not worry because no one can snatch you out of it. That's our Father. He protects us. He keeps us from the evil one. You know, part of what makes God our Father is that He disciplines us. He wouldn't be a father if He didn't discipline us. He wouldn't be a father if He didn't make sure that we were on the right path. And so from time to time, He must discipline us. He must get on to us. He, he, he must punish us. 
when we don't do what He says. And that isn't because He hates us. That, that's, that's not because He hates us. It's not because He's angry with us. It's not because He doesn't want to have a relationship with us anymore. It's not because He's just done with us and wants to put us off and He's moving on up, moving away from us. That's not God. Any good parent disciplines because they love their child. And that's what our Father does to us. And that leads us to our next point. Our Father cares. He, he creates. He, he, he protects. He puts our needs above His own. And our Father loves. Our Father loves. Our Father is love. God is love. You know, everything that we've already said this morning about our Father, every single thing is all painted by the fact that God loves us. That God loves you. He cares for us because of His love. He created us because of His love. He provides for us because of His love. He hurts when we hurt because of His love. He protects us because of His love. Our Father's love is immeasurable. Our Father's love is insurmountable. Our Father's love is impossible to quantify. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, Paul would say, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing is able to separate you from the love of our Father except for yourself. Nothing can separate us from the love that our Father has for us. Another verse that we could look at is Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. A couple chapters before in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, Paul says, but God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. For us. God doesn't just say, I love you. He doesn't just say it. He demonstrated it. He proved it. He showed it. Our scripture reading for today was from 1 John chapter 3. I'd love everyone to turn there. 1 John chapter 3. I think this sums it all up. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. What John is trying to say is that our God loves us 
And because of that love, God is a Father who loves, and since He's a Father who loves, we are able to be called His children. Do you realize the immense blessing it is to be called a child of God? That is only because of the love that He has for us. That is only because of the love that He has poured out, that He has demonstrated to all of us. That we are able to be called children of God. But not only that, not only does, does, does John say that we're able to be called His children because of His love, he says that we need to know God. There it is again. If we would know God, if we would simply know who God is, then we would understand how much of a blessing it is to be a child of His. Then we would understand the need to tell others about it. Because if you don't know God, you won't ever understand Christianity. You won't ever understand religion. You won't ever understand this Bible. You won't ever understand what all these people are doing around you. You'll just come in this building from time to time and check your box and leave. If you don't know God, you can't claim God. If you don't know who God is, how can you claim to be His child? If you don't know who your father is, how will you ever know who to turn to? We have to know who our God is, and our God is a God who loves. You know, there's simply not enough time in a lifetime to express who God our Father is. We could spend the rest of our lives looking at who God our Father is, and no one single lesson is ever going to be able to express exactly who God the Father is. God is infinite. I'm finite. I can't explain to you, I can't understand it all myself because I am finite and I can't understand the infinite. But I do think there are some things we can know about our Father this morning. And that is that our Father is authentic. Our Father isn't fake. Our Father has demonstrated these things to us. All of these things we've listed this morning, our Father has demonstrated it to us. He has given us the proof. He has shown us he is authentic. That's why Jesus says that they may know you, the only true God. He's authentic because He cares for us. He is our Father because He provides for us. He is our Father because He hurts when we hurt. He is our Father because He protects us. He is our Father because He loves us. And lastly, any good father worth his salt is willing to take his child back when they've strayed. Our Father is a Father who loves so much that He always takes us back. No matter what we've done, no matter where, how far we've gone away from Him, no matter what we've said or what, or what we've thought, God 
will take us back. Because that's who He is. You know, we don't need to look any further than the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 to understand how God takes us back. You know, we all know that story, the, the, the prodigal son. He asked for his inheritance early so that he could go out and, and leave his father's house. He's sick of it. He's sick of being with his father. He's sick of listening to his rules. He's sick of having to live with his father. He's sick of all the different things he says. He says, listen, you know what? You give me my inheritance. I'm out of here. What does the father do? He didn't lock him in a room and say, no, you can't go. He says, here. Here. Here's your inheritance. The prodigal takes the money and he goes and wastes it on prodigal living. Wastes it on the pleasures of this world. Wastes it within a few months probably. It's gone. There's nothing to speak for. He don't even have the ring. He don't have clothes. He's sitting in a pig pen eating the food that the pigs eat. And he thinks to himself, listen, I'm going to die right here in this pig pen if I don't go home. I can't go home though. I can't go home. I can't go home. I've made a fool of myself to my brother. I've made a fool of myself to my whole household. I can't go home. You know what? I'm just going to go home and beg. I'm going to beg on my knees to just be a servant. Just be His servant. Just maybe He will let me be His servant. So he goes home with nothing to speak for himself. Nothing. He's walking home. I imagine what's going through his head as he's walking home. Maybe the pain that he brought his father all that he gave up just to be a simple servant from there on out. But we know he, 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 he walks home. And as he's walking home, his father's watching, waiting for him to come home. And he's watching and he's waiting and he sees his son afar off. I wonder what is it, what's in his mind. No way. There he is. And the Bible says that he runs. He runs to his son. He runs to the son that had gone away. He runs to him as fast as he can. And he falls on his neck and he kisses him. And the son simply says, I am not worthy to be called your son. Please make me one of your hired servants. The father doesn't say, well, let me think about that for a minute. Maybe you do deserve to be raked over the coals a little bit. Maybe you do need to work your way back up. No, God is the Father in this story. The Father turns to His servants and says, Give me a robe. Put a ring on His hand. Put sandals on His feet. Because my son who was astray is found. My son who was lost is found. And He kills the fatted calf for him. And He throws this huge celebration because His son had come back. Any good father takes his son back when they've gone astray. This morning we, we have the chance to have that kind of father. 
We have the chance to have the kind of Father that will take us back, that will accept us, that will bring us back into the fold, that will put a robe, a ring, and sandals on our feet and kill the fatted calf if only we will come home. Because we have a Father. A Father who cares, a Father who provides, a Father who hurts, a Father who protects, a Father who loves, a Father who takes us back. This morning, do you need that Father? I do. This morning, like the prodigal, do you need to walk home? This morning, God's waiting on you to do just that. God's waiting to take you back. He'll take you back. You won't think another thing about it. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, no matter what you've said or what you've thought, God will take you back because He is your Father. And He's been hurting right along with you. I don't know what your need is this morning, but your Father does. We have the greatest Father anyone could ever have. And you fathers out there this morning, maybe you've said to yourself, I'm not like that, man. I'm not like my Father in heaven. I haven't protected my child. I haven't provided for my child. I haven't shown them the Word of God. I've simply been just this waste of space every Sunday. I haven't led my family in any possible way. I haven't loved my family the way God loves us. I haven't done anything. Maybe you could have set the example this morning and make this the greatest Father's Day of all time by getting your life right. By humbling yourself enough to admit that you need to be more like our Heavenly Father. I don't know what the case is this morning, but God does because He's your Father. He's waiting on you as together we stand and sing. Amen.